Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Kriemdruck Stock Market News. In this podcast, I summarize and explain the trading day every weekday at around 11 p.m. European Standard Time. Today is Thursday, the 30th of March, 2023. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. The market definitely seems to be in a wait-and-see mood at the moment. We are waiting for more data to come in to get a better picture of where we're heading. And even though I am more of a macroeconomics guy, we are taking a look at a specific sector first in today's episode. We will get to the macroeconomics stuff later. The technology sector at the moment is very interesting to look at. There certainly is a lot of enthusiasm around AI, especially ChatGPT. Yesterday, a letter was signed by Elon Musk and other leading figures in the tech industry, um, which states that we should pause and stop developing further AI systems so that we can reassess the risk that comes with the development of very advanced artificial intelligence. We are seeing significant outperformance in the chip sector right now because of GPT-4, which is an even more advanced version of chat GPT, which could, if implemented by companies worldwide, significantly increase productivity. Another boost for the chip industry is the news from Micron and Infineon Technologies, Yesterday, we heard that demand for electric cars is significantly increasing and the demand for memory chips is also significantly um, rising. These trends cause stocks within the chip sector to gain ground and hence they boost the other US indices, especially the Nasdaq 100, of course. The Nasdaq 100 now officially is in a bull market again. Since December, it has gained more than 20% in value. This is, I, this is, believe it or not, the 13th time since the beginning of last year that the Nasdaq 100 exceeded the 4,000 mark. So this truly shows that we are going back and forth. There's a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty. But after exceeding the 4,000 mark in this current environment, it usually tends to uh, fall below it again. As I said previously, JP Morgan believes that we will see more gains within the stock market in the short term because the economy remains very resilient and is expected to grow 2.5% now in the first quarter of this year, instead of the previously expected by markets 0% growth. And at the same time, we have not heard any new bad news from the banking sector. So right now we seem to be following the principle that no news is good news, and on top of that we are seeing a lot of dynamic in the chip sector and the economy in general especially when we um, go back and take a look at the Lululemon earnings or the earnings within the retail sector that, that we've gotten. Jeffrey Gundlach from DoubleLine believes that we will see the S&P 500 move up to a level of between 4,300 and 4,400. However, he did say that he would start selling once the S&P 500 has reached that range. It is very important to consider how long this relatively good mute on Wall Street will last because the Federal Reserve is still in the midst of an interest rate hike cycle. You, you, you cannot forget that. It seems to be the overall consensus that inflation is falling, but the question is how much it will fall and how much it can fall 
given that we still have such a resilient economy, especially such a resilient labor market. The economy is still gaining ground and we are far away from seeing weakness in the labor market. We basically are at full employment at the moment. The Fed is dependent on data and because the data tells the story of a resilient economy, I believe that the chance is high for another rate hike in May of this year and also expect treasury yields to, to further rise based on that. If you look back in history, treasury yields usually um, rise above the final federal funds rate, at least the two-year treasury yield. So I expect that uh, to potentially also happen in this interest rate hike cycle. Today, we have once again heard relatively hawkish comments from Federal Reserve officials. Let us take a look at what some Fed officials have said throughout the week. The president of the Richmond Federal Reserve, Thomas Barkin, according to Bloomberg, said that the Fed can indeed raise rates more if inflation persists. So he's kind of speaking back against the fact that the market believed the weakness we are seeing in the banking sector is going to be a policy implication for the Federal Reserve. But obviously, according to many Fed officials, that does not seem to be the case. The president of the Richmond, um, well, I, yeah, we have already looked at his comment. Um, Neil Kashkari, president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve, said that he is committed to getting inflation back to 2%. And the president of the Boston Federal Reserve, Susan Collins, said that further tightening is needed. The message coming from the Fed seems to be clear, despite the recent events in the banking sector. However, these events do not make the Fed of the job easier. About this topic, Bloomberg quotes Jim Baird, chief investment officer at Plante Morin Financial Advisors. He said today that, quote, with cracks in the banking system becoming apparent, the Fed's job has become even harder. Recession risk remains in focus given the Fed's histor historical, track of, historical track record of struggling to tighten policy while easing the economy to a soft landing, end of quote. Joe Biden said today that regulators should tighten the rules for mid-sized banks because of the recent bank fail failures we have seen. It is very interesting to consider how the recent bank failure, failure will affect the Fed's next rate decision in May. Suzanne Collins, president of the Boston Fed, repeated Jerome Powell's um, little less hawkish comment that we got last week. He said that, according to Bloomberg, the financial sector suffering might be worth 25 basis points of tightening. Collins said that tighter credit conditions might eliminate the need for having to raise rates even further later. Analysts generally agree with that. Together, financial conditions um, do put, um, or um, tightening financial conditions do put downward pressure on inflation and might eliminate the need for a further 25 basis point rate hike, for example, in May. However, let us pause there for a moment and consider the discussion we are actually having right now. Fed officials are far away from discussing rate cuts. They are merely suggesting that we might have a chance that we do not need another 25 basis point rate hike in the future. The market, however, and I, I keep talking about this in this podcast, the market is already pricing in around 70 basis points of rate cuts this year, which in my opinion is a completely unrealistic scenario. Bloomberg writes something very interesting about this today, and I have already talked about this in yesterday's episode. Market expectation of rate cuts this year are incorrect, according to a number of US analysts. 
U.S. unemployment claims have indeed increased for the first time in three weeks, but the labor market still remains incredibly resilient. The so-called PCE core deflator data, which will be released tomorrow, is expected to show that inflation remained high and sticky last month. So I do believe, based on this, that the Fed will um, stay relatively hawkish, keep rates at a higher level for longer than the market is currently pricing, which will then indeed, in return, put downward pressure on equities and and stocks and cause uh, treasury yields, especially the two-year yield, to probably further rise. Let us now take a look at how the major U.S. indices performed in today's trading day. The S&P 500 finished the trading day up with around six-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq 100 clearly in the green with around nine-tenths of a percent. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average finished the trading day up with around four-tenths of a percent. Let us now move on to Europe. We got some very interesting macroeconomic data, my f- most favorite type of data. Um, we got some very interesting macroeconomic data from Europe today. Inflation in Germany significantly fell in March. Consumer prices in Germany increased, according to Bloomberg, 7.8% in March compared to 9.3% in February. So that is a significant decrease. Economists, however... so. At first sight, this is, of course, great news. But the more we break it down, the worse it becomes. Of course, it is a significant decrease, but economists did expect a rise in consumer prices of 7.5% in March. So we are above expectations. We must also remember, and that kind of makes it even less good news, we must remember that this decrease in consumer prices is largely because of a sharp decrease in natural gas prices or food and energy in general. And that is exactly why policymakers are looking more closely at the core inflation data, which means prices ex- excluding the very volatile food and energy prices. According to many policymakers, underlying inflation still remains elevated. Germany did not provide core inflation data today, but regional data suggests, according to Bloomberg, that core inflation actually accelerated to 5.7% in March from 5.3% in February. Hence, it might be or it is premature to celebrate a decrease in inflation. Just take a look at today's comments coming from Martin Adema, economist for Bloomberg Economics. He said that, and I quote, In the coming months, headline inflation should remain well below rates recorded in autumn and winter. For the ECB, however, this is no reason to celebrate as underlying price pressures in Europe's biggest economy are still worryingly strong. Core inflation likely reached a new historical high in March and might climb further until summer. End of quote. Just take Spain as another example. Spain's headline inflation fell to 3.1%. Core inflation, however, decreased to 7.5%. Hence, it is very important to look at core inflation in order to get a better understanding of how high inflation truly is and what the further path of central banks will look like. Let us take a look at how the benchmark European indices performed today. They did respond relatively well to the inflation data coming out of Germany because, of course, headline inflation ended up 
falling, even though it ended up being above economists' expectations. The FTSE um, finished the trading day up with around 7 tenths of a percent. The DAX up with 1.3%. The stock 600 up with 1%. Now, there are... um, in my opinion, there are, and I, I said this obviously earlier before too, but in my opinion, there are two main reasons why markets are gaining ground at the moment. One reason is the fact that the economy remains, the economy is still gaining ground. The economy remains very resilient. And at the same time, we're not getting any new bad news from the banking sector, right? Because that was the expectation when we heard about the bankruptcy of the Silicon Valley Bank and when we heard about Credit Suisse, what happened there. That was the main expectation that we would get more bad news. But the fact that we have not gotten any more news is good news for markets. So like I said, resilient resilient economy, lack of more bad news. This is certainly one thing that is um, pushing up the equity prices that is... um, putting some, you know, um, bullish, uh, bull, uh, bullish mood into the market. Let's put it that way. The second reason why we are seeing a, a increase in stocks here is because the expectation of uh, less rate hikes or actually the expectation of rate cuts in 2023. Like I said before, the markets are expecting around, according to Bloomberg, 70 basis points of rate cuts uh, this year. And that is, of course, um, causing optimism in the market. But I believe uh, this will simply cause disappointment in the future because, as I keep saying, I do not believe that the Fed will cut rates this year. Last but not least, we will take a look at some individual values. The euro was able to gain a lot of ground today, up by six tenths of a percent, and it rose to 1.09077 US dollars. Bitcoin fell by 1.5% to 27,970.47 dollars. The yield on the 10 year treasury declined once again today, one basis point to 3.55%. Germany's 10-year yield advanced another 5 basis points to 2.37%, and the Britain's 10-year yield advanced 5 basis points to 3.52%. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil could gain a lot of ground today. We have seen kind of at the beginning of the week that the trend we have seen in the previous weeks, the large downward trend is kind of coming to a halt. We are now you know, at resistance, uh, not resistance level, but we have reached a bottom, let's put it that way. So we have seen West Texas Intermediate Crude already gain some cr- uh, ground this week, and then yesterday it fell a bit. Now it is significantly up by 1.9%, and it increased to $74.34 a barrel. The gold futures rose by around 7 tenths of a percent to 1999 US dollars an ounce. And that is it for today's stock market news. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. Have a great evening and I will see you again tomorrow at around 11 p.m. European Standard Time. Have a good night.